Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Overcome Become podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host, Humberto Kaufman. And today we have a very special guest. He is a regular of uh, bodybuilding and bollocks and bro chats. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> watching, watching, watching this man critique physiques and un- uncontrollably laugh at Nick Walker has been a pleasure for the past few months. Um <laughs> He is a CPA head judge and an IFBB Pro League judge and a former national level competitor for bodybuilding. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Um, Paul Lozon, thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Paul, can't tell you how excited I am to have you on, man. It feels great because in a way, watching the podcast that you're normally on, it almost feels like we know you almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get personal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you guys get really personal. I mean, please. Yeah, if you want to get it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I, I, I don't know who's worse when it comes to like getting really personal if it's Fuad or Guy, but uh, yeah, it's guy's, funny. Got, guy's got the Italian streak in him, eh? So it's uh, it's hard for him to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been you know what, like, I, it's been great uh, being a part of that podcast. Like, I've I know, ne- like, I've, I've met Guy before, but I've never knew Nick, I never knew Ben or uh, James, or you know, I knew Ian a little bit. Um, but it's been like great getting to know those guys, and they're all like great individuals. They're a pleasure to chat to uh, chat with, and uh, I'm just um, very grateful that Fuad includes me on that from time to time. Honestly, it's super exciting. It actually seems like you guys are like a very little tight knit family, especially um, I would say more so like yourself with James and Ben, of course, um, mm-hmm. and Fuad. You and yeah. Fuad seem inseparable, pretty much almost on a daily. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, well, I see Fuad every day. You know, I've pretty much seen him every day for the last. 17 years other than when he lived in Toronto for a few years like he lives around the corner from me you know oh wow yeah he's my kids godparents uh sorry godfather um you know we we hang out all the time and we work out together every day so that's awesome man (laughs) Uh, so Paul I want to I want to go back in time here to the very start Mm -hmm. um what is it initially that actually attracted you to the gym and bodybuilding like how did it actually become from a hobby to a passion to an actual like full-fledged career for you for the most part um, um well i um as a kid i always looked up to sports um athletes especially the guys who were like really muscular like your football players um some baseball players um like thinking back like to like tim Raines. i don't know if you guys remember i'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than you guys you might not know some of these names i'm gonna throw out there but like tim Raines, ricky henderson like they were like muscular baseball players and like the and the football players that were like linebackers and running backs that were like you know muscular and, and jack like i was always attracted to that look in comic books you know growing up reading comic books as a kid it was always you know that's the way i wanted to look and then my dad used to weight train pretty pretty um pretty serious uh he was just trained at our basement though he never joined a gym but my dad was pretty hardcore and he was pretty strong for a guy who wasn't very big i think my dad weighed no more than uh 180 190 at the most and uh he could bench like 400 um he oh, uh, yeah, my dad was my dad was hardcore, uh, and I used to watch him train when I was a kid. And then, so first chance I got, I think first time I started lifting weights, I was probably like eleven or twelve, and uh, I just it's always been a part of my life since then. That's wild. So, so what then? What got you to actually compete? That's that's, um, that's what I'm really curious about. Well, my my dad read the magazines back then too. Like I would find my dad's Muscle and Fitness, the old Flex magazine stuff like that. Um, and I would, you know, back in those days, it was Arnold in there, Tom Platts, um, guys like that. And uh, I would read all the articles, and I'd you know look at the pictures, and I'd be amazed by these guys, and you know I wanted to look like them. And um, then I went to my first bodybuilding show, probably when I was like, I want to say 17, 16 or seventeen. Um, I went to like the local Windsor bodybuilding show. And uh, Barry DeMay was a guest poser. 
and uh, I'm nice. just seeing like Barry DeMay. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Barry yep. DeMay. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he was third at the Olympia one year, I believe. Uh, that was his best place. But Barry DeMay was like amazing. And seeing him in person, like, just blew me away. And I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so back so back in those days, I know it was very uncommon for people to actually have coaches. Because uh, we're talking early 90s, right? Yep. Did you coach yourself for all that? Or did you, no. like, did you find the old muscle and flex magazines and just... No, I did get help. Uh, my first show I did when I was 19, um, I had just like a local guy at the gym that I became friends with and like training partners with. He trained me. Uh, he was, I believe at the time, a, a provincial level competitor. Back in those days, we had five levels in Canada to, to, before you turned what, pro. What were, the, what were the five levels actually? I'm curious. So you had your regional shows, like your Windsors, you know, whatever. Um, then you had like Western Ontario um, and then you had Ontario and then you had Eastern Canada and then Canada's. And then pro and only one person turned pro a year out of the Canada's. So back in those days, like it was very prestigious to be a professional bodybuilder because, you know, even though it wasn't as big as, as it is today, the sport, you know, like they were, the guys were good too. And it, it took years to work your way through the amateur level and get to the, you know, get to the nationals and, you know, potentially to the pros one day, it took years. And, um, it wasn't, uh, it's just, it's different today. You know, the sport has grown, it's much different. And, uh, but back in those days, like there was a certain, it was much more of a, um, like a subculture bodybuilding, you know, like, um, gyms weren't busy like they are today. Like people who did train in gyms were serious. It wasn't very much socializing going on and stuff like that, you know, and, uh, the gyms were much different. You didn't have like little couches and stuff like that. And TVs, like they were just waste. Starbucks. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You didn't have that inside gyms, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you might have a protein bar at the most, you know, a protein shape bar, but that's about it. And I don't know, like I do miss those days a lot, you know, and that's what really got me. That's what hooked me in the sport back in those days. So yeah, anyway, sorry, I got away from your question there a little bit. With no, no, that's fine, that's fine. Um, so I had uh, yeah, a friend of mine helped me with my first show when I was 19. And then um, another guy who was at my gym too, um, his name was Frank Nachi. He was a national competitor. And Frank trained under Scott Abel. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Scott Abel. Um, but Scott was a very good and renowned trainer back in those days for bodybuilding especially. And, and Scott himself was a bodybuilder. He was married to Laura Benetti. If you guys know mm. who Laura is, Laura was mm. a Canadian uh, female bodybuilder who at the time was like by far it, the most. The last name Abel uh, does ring a bell. Is he is he a doctor? No, he's not. Not that I, not to my knowledge, at least. Okay. Um, he's uh, he I don't know. He's he's a pretty popular trainer nowadays. I think he's more of a lifestyle uh, type okay. trainer, not okay. not bodybuilding. But his wife was Laura Benetti. If you look up Laura, Laura was at the time the freakiest female bodybuilder in the world. Um, she oh, was sure. a bit too freaky for her time actually um but later on in her career she started placing better as the as the as that category sort of evolved and the girls started getting bigger and catching up to her but um but yeah she was uh like she was amazing like she would was, you say she was kind of like the iris kyle kind of thing of uh, canada at that point like too yeah too, too big too striated for that time yes exactly yeah okay. definitely yeah. for that time especially uh that time female bodybuilding hadn't, hadn't progressed to that level yet and she was ahead of her time it's kind of like beth francis remember beth francis when she was competing yeah. she was kind of like a little bit too big at the time to beat like your Corey Everson's and you know, your more aesthetic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Laura was like that. She was just a bit too freaky for her time. And that's crazy how you see how where it's, where it's at now though, women's bodybuilding, making the comeback, how huge they get. And yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. they look drier than some of the guys that are in the open, to be honest with well, you. One of the most impressive physiques I've ever seen in my, in my life up, up close and personal was, I was Iris Kylie. Uh, when I saw her compete at uh, one of the Olympias, I was there uh, with Fuad and we had good seats because at the time Fuad was sponsored with muscle tech and they gave us sweet seats. So we were right near the front. Nice. And yeah. Uh, so I got to like <laughs> see the physiques really close and, her physique blew me away like just beautiful lines um you know just 
like brown muscle, small joints, like muscle just hangs off the bone, you know, just like perfect. That's crazy. It's amazing, to, it's amazing to see how much the industry has evolved over the last 10 years or so. When I first started competing, this was back at home. I'm originally from Mexico. So in Mexico, we we're a little bit behind when it comes to uh, the evolution of the sport. So when I first started competing and lifting and all that, now that you mentioned muscle tech, that, uh, that, that reminded me, we basically had muscle tech and maybe one or, or two other supplement, com- uh, supplement brands in Mexico. Mm-hmm. We pretty much just had GNC and that was about it. And it was completely overpriced. Now you have so many new uh, supplement companies, brands, supplement stores, and, and, and also divisions as well. When you, uh, when you started competing, how, do you remember how many female categories they had at the time? Yeah, bodybuilding and fitness. That was it. That's it. Okay. That's oh it. wow. Yeah, and then we added figure later, and then bikini and uh, wellness. Uh, oh, sorry, women's physique as well. Um, yeah, so there's been what four new categories added since I was involved in the sport. Even when I first started judging, we only had um, women's bodybuilding um, and fitness, and then shortly thereafter we added figure. Um, but yeah, when I first started judging, it was just the two female categories still. And back then, you, I mean, since you only had bodybuilding, I think because that was the standard, that was what you had to achieve. There was no other category. Mm-hmm. Uh, men, do, you yeah. th- do you think that that perhaps contributes as to the difference now of training approaches and training intensity, perhaps? Because not to say that people don't train hard these days, but they definitely, I think, subscribe to more of the train smart, smarter, trying to uh, not, not, not perhaps not cut corners, but they are doing that a little bit more than going all out like it was before because now you don't necessarily have to be that big that that extremely muscular to yep. to compete right so would you agree with that oh yeah for sure uh yeah and depending on what category you're in, you have to train for it you know i mean if you're men's physique you probably should be doing deadlifts heavy deadlifts because you don't want to blow your waist at all and you don't need to do them you know like you don't need a thick massive back you need a good back a very well detailed back, or a very well proportioned back and developed back but you don't need it to be massive you don't need a turtle shell in your back you know what i mean so you don't need to be pulling 800 pounds off the ground and, I, you know, I love i love that you're saying this because i have a client that uh, will benefit from listening to this because he is he's a men's competitor and this is coming from a cpa head judge and he just loves his deadlifts and he just refuses to, to lift heavy and i know and i've noticed that this it does something to the physique that is a little bit different from what you're saying. You know, you want to keep that waist as small as possible. Yeah. And it's going to make a difference. Everything is going to grow a little bit more evenly. I've, I've noticed it in my own physique. Back When I first started competing back when I was 19, 20 years old, um, like I had a pretty small waist. But then, I, and I used to always wear a belt. I used to avoid certain exercises because, I, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, maybe I just wasn't smart enough of a trainer yet, whatever. But then as, the, as I progressed and I started adding like heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, heavy leg press, it was natural. My waist got thicker because, you know, if you're pushing that kind of weight off your chest, all your muscles are going to be engaged, not just your the muscles you're trying to isolate. So, you know, and especially if you're, you know, max effort, you're going to failure on these on these power movements. You know, it's impossible for your waist not to grow a little bit, I, in my opinion, at least. I don't think there's anything scientific about that, but, I, you know, it's just what I've noticed on myself and, and others. It, it, well, it's going to expand you- to adapt, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I don't I don't believe we are there necessarily as accurately when it comes to the the science necessarily proving this, but there we're not there to disprove it either. So right. I think a lot in a lot of times you have to almost be 
go back based on your own experience or your the experience with clients yeah. because that is ultimately what's going to make a difference you may you know resort to a study or two as a point of right. reference and perhaps uh try and test that but uh you know it's I, I think the fact that it's a little bit confusing for some people because you have you'll have some people saying that you should wear a training belt for certain categories to keep the weight small mm-hmm. you, should, you have some people saying no you shouldn't that's bad for you for this 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 and that so mm-hmm. i think until we get a little bit more advanced a lot of these questions are, are always going to remain and you're just going to have to try it yeah well from happens. my ex- from my experience like when i was younger i got to a habit of wearing my belt all the time i don't know why i don't know if it like made me like look bigger in the gym mirror or something like that, you know, cause my waist was cinched. <laughs> but for some reason I swear my belt for everything. And I used to notice my lower back, I'd always have lower back problems. Always. Like I would get my lower back would get, uh, would go out on me from time to time. And so finally it, it dawned on me that, you know, I'm not letting my lower back get strong on its own because it's always being supported by a belt. So finally I ditched my belt, um, started doing all the movements without it, except for my extremely heavy sets you know, uh, for me is extremely heavy. And, um, and I noticed my back got stronger, but my waist got thicker. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so you kind of have to pick and choose and really be strategic with it. Like you have to perhaps not rely on it 100% of the time because you're going to develop perhaps a weakness that is going to affect your training ultimately, because right. you have a little back pain, you're not right. going to be very, very high discomfort in certain movements. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. It's, that's very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, men's physique guy though, you know, in my opinion, at least you got to keep that waist tight, you know, for all categories, a small waist is, you know, very important. One of the most important things of, you know, your, your structure, your physique. Uh, but for men's physique, particularly, you, you see some of these guys, they got waist like this, you know, like you, you got to keep your waist tight. So I don't per- personally, I don't see enough benefit in doing those exercises for a person who, you know, a men's physique competitor that's, you know, has to focus on those things. Yep, Actually, that, that brings me to a question I actually have for you, uh, Paul. Mm-hmm. We look at guys, like, for example, since we're on the topic of men's physique, you know, let's say Brandon Hendrickson, who won the O this year, or Raymond Edmonds, who won it the year prior. Now, being a CPA head judge, when you look at a men's physique competitor at a pro qualifier, do you guys look for those, for that specific type of um, body type, you know, since it resembles the person who won the Olympia when, you, when yeah. you're judging? I mean, like, you know, whoever wins the Olympia is is obviously the standard of that category, right? And then that sets the standard from there. I mean, obviously, you know, if you if like let's take body open bodybuilding, for example, Big Ramy's the current champion. I don't expect someone to have quads like Big Ramy to be my 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 standard, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Big Ramy's the standard being like he has he had the most mass at that show with the with the best shape, you know, with the with the combination of conditioning, shape, and mass. You know, that's what that's what each category should be about. The the total package, not just one particular um, aspect um so but yeah but, you know going by that yeah your mr olympia is your standard and then you try to look as close you know to that as close to that ideal as possible it shows especially pro qualifiers good to know i actually really wanted to get you to answer that question because a lot of people have the misconception that the pro league and the amateurs are coached or sorry judged differently you know what um, i think that is i like to talk about that um in my opinion why what, what in my opinion what what that what what the reason people have that um uh, perception. Um, going back a few years ago, see this. The, we're now part of the NPC uh, CPA NPC, right? Like we, you know, we uh, we're part of the IFB um, worldwide. Um, of course, network now. Um, before there was a, like you know, but before into the old um, the other the old system with the CFB um, the CBBF. Yeah, under that old system, there was there was a difference. There was international judging, and then there's pro judging, and 
even though it was never like clear cut that there was a difference, you could obviously see a difference in the judging. Um, internationally, um, they tend to go um, with, they just had a certain look that they preferred. Uh, but that look wouldn't necessarily do well at the pro level. And uh, and there was a sort of a, a disconnect there. And I feel like we're, we fixed that problem now by combining, you know, all, all of us being under the, the MPC uh, worldwide umbrella now. I feel like and that, that's been the goal with this, with this change to get everyone on that same page. Yes, because that's important, right? Like you can't be, you can't be prepping, prepping one way for a national show and then changing your prep, your look for once you get to the pro level, like it has to be consistent. And uh, I, I think that we've worked on that. I think that that problem's going to be, I think that perception will go away is what I should be saying uh, after time as, you know, as the years go by and uh, this new, the new system, uh, you know, matures. As it, as it remains more consistent, basically. Yeah. And which, which, is, is, which is great. Yeah. That's what it should be in my opinion, you know, and that's yeah. what we try to do. I know, I know here in Canada, the CPA, like Ron's adamant, like we judge how the pro league judges and that's your standard. And that's what you go by. Ron and Rudy have driven that point home, you know, ever since the merger. And that is, uh, you know, our goal. Well, I really so, appreciate you clearing that up, actually. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. I was going to um, just kind of touch on that a little bit more, uh, specifically mm -hmm. in such categories as, let's say, bikini and men's physique, which have a tendency of being just slightly more subjective than the other categories. In bodybuilding mm -hmm. and women's bodybuilding, it's pretty crystal clear. The biggest, yep. most shredded, obviously yep. still balanced person. With bikini, when it comes to muscularity, sometimes it's slightly variable when it comes to show to show and even level mm -hmm. to level. Now, let's see, if I were to be a men's physique competitor, competing for the very first time, I've never competed, I'm doing a regional show. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's say I have, uh, I am prone to develop a, uh, more muscularity than, than the average. Okay. Should I, should I shoot to be as close as possible to the, and again, mind you, I'm doing a regional show, which has a combination of novice, true novice competitors, and and not as muscular, generally speaking, uh, uh, not as much muscularity, generally speaking, even in the open as a regional when compared to the other levels. Should I shoot to look as close as possible to the Mr. Olympia, which, you know, it, it would be considered quite muscular, or should I play it safe due to not wanting to incur the risk of being seen as too muscular because it's a regional show? Um, <clears throat> I personally think that you should always, uh, right, starting from your regional show, right at, uh, right, right at uh, your first step, I think you should, that should be your goal, the Mr. Olympia look, and that should be your standard that you try to attain. If you bring that look that we're looking for, that's consistent with that category, as close to that ideal as possible, it shouldn't matter what level you're at. That, that shouldn't make a difference. The, uh, the category is clearly defined, in my, in my opinion. There, in my opinion, there's no difference between a regional show and a uh, pro show. I judge them exactly the same. The physiques are going to be different, absolutely. And the, and the, um, the quality of not the quality physique, for sure, because you're going to have you know, some higher level athletes at the pro level, uh, the pro qualifiers. Um, but the way I judge does not change. Um, and I don't think any judge should change the way they judge based on the level of the show that they're judging. Good. I think primarily um, we, we have this question asked from someone, uh, you know, on our social media. And I think the question came up because in some instances, you'll see some people say or think that they gave it 
gave it to the bigger guys. They were going for the for for more muscular. When in reality, yes, they were a little bit more muscular, but they were also the most aesthetic. Their their posing, you know, was was done properly. Their right. you know conditioning was right. They had t- the tight abs. It was just not that. That's perhaps what they see because they don't. Yeah. Have, they're not a judge, right? They don't right. know exactly what they're looking for. And that could have just been the way they perceived it to be. Right. Um, it might have been like at that particular show, there was one guy, even though he wasn't too big for that category, he was bigger than the rest of the class. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's too big for that category. That just means that, you know, mm-hmm. that's just that's the way just, that particular class was. Yeah, that's, that's how I showed up. That. Yeah, that's the people right. that showed up for that day and that time for that. Yeah, because you have to judge what's in front of you. You know what I mean? Um, but we should, uh, as judges, I feel we should always keep that ideal in mind and judge from there. Perfect. No, but, that's that's very, very clear. Actually, Paul, I have I have one question that I, I meant to ask earlier on the podcast, yeah, um, and that was the photo you sent me for the cover art. Who prepped mm-hmm. you for that show? Was that Fuad? Fuad, yeah, yeah. That's why I was busting balls that you were diving for that show. Uh, that what? was the you like are so strided, man. You're I know. Crazy. I, I, I was just too small, you know. Like uh, what happened at that show? Uh, that was a 2008 Canada's. That's the last time I competed. Um, okay. In 2006, I did the Ontario's, and I won my class. And actually, Ben Pakulski won the overall at that show. And, uh, and yeah, anyways. And then Ben also won the, the Canada's in 2008 when I – that picture was from when I competed. Ben won the overall at that show, too, in turn pro. Um, but anyways, uh, side note there. Yeah, Fu, I prepped me for that <laughs> show. And I went – see, what happened was I went from – I thought I was going to be a light heavy again going into the Canada's. And then I missed my weight by, like, five pounds. It was too much for me to try to lose uh, in the amount of time that I was given. Um, so I just threw my hat in the ring with heavyweights. Just got out muscular, you know, out muscled by the other guys. I was just too small, and uh, and uh, came in. Uh, I came in ninth out of sixteen guys in that show, in that class. Um, I weighed two hundred three on stage. I was just too small for the class, you know. But yeah, no, Fuad was a great coach. He uh, he got me in great shape. I just break his balls about it. I, I have <laughs> my own experience uh, being coached by Fuad. Actually, I was coached by him in twenty thirteen and twenty twenty fifteen as. Oh yeah, and he was my he was my very first um, higher level non local coach actually. Okay, um, I, I I went to him a little bit late, but he was he was kind enough to take me on, and uh, I was doing the nationals, 2013. That was a year that uh, Henry Pierre uh, actually won. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. In, uh, where was it? The, the, were you a judge with uh, the with the previous like with the OPA as well? Yes. Yeah, so I judged um, with, yeah, I was a judge with the OPA. I was, a, I was a head judge with the OPA. I was, um, I was also a national level judge. Um, I judged the, um, the 2016 candidates, I believe that's the year Johnny Shreve won his brocard. Oh, that was in Winnipeg. That was right here. Uh, yes. Our, yeah. 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 I must have the wrong year. That must've been 17. Cause it was, 17 in, was in Alberta. It was yeah. in Edmonton. Yeah, yep. 17. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I judged that year. That was the only nationals that I judged under the old regime. And then uh, the following years when we had the, um, the change. You know, it's very interesting because I, I actually did that show. And kind of going back to what you mentioned about the almost like a little bit of disconnect between the certain amateur divisions uh, criteria and the pros. Yep. I was actually, that was the last year, I believe. I, that was the last last year of the CBBF, I believe. Actually. It was. It was. And, uh, and 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 I did that show. I came in. I wasn't right at the top of my. I, I probably uh, was about four pounds from. I did classic physique. I was four okay. pounds from the uh, from the cap, right? Okay. And I ended up getting second call out. And when I got the feedback, was it was basically too big for classic. Really. So then I was like, man, but you know, I'm seeing I'm seeing the guys. Uh, I'm trying to think if yeah, because this was the second year that classic physique was in. Uh, 
was in place. So they definitely had already, I think, some shows at the very least at the pro level. So I'm mm -hmm. looking at them, obviously, to get some, some, some ideas as to what's the look. And the feedback was um, they were too, uh, he was too big for, for classic. So I'm okay, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to bodybuilding. Okay. And then the CPA comes around. And I hear it directly from Rudy and from Ron. And they're like, the classic physique is a bodybuilder that made weight. And I'm like, hallelujah. Like, I'm not going to have to you know, starve myself or have a smaller look as long as I'm aesthetic, as long as I make the weight. That, mm -hmm. is, that was, I think, for me personally, was, a, was, was quite a relief because they were very clear when, when it comes to that. And they also said, mm -hmm. you know, that the look that you're trying to go for every single year at the Mr. Olympia, they're going to establish what's the look, what's the standard, what everyone right. should be shooting for. Exactly. So, because those, these were questions that were never addressed, I don't think, previously. Uh, yeah. and they, they took the time to go to, you know, many provinces, many places to get that message, that one voice out so people knew and yeah. they had a better idea as to what they were training for. Because sometimes, you know, they'll be like, okay, I'm doing bikini or I'm doing menstrual seek. And they're like, this disconnect that was happening was confusing a lot of people. They're like, should yes. I go for that or should I not? Should I just go by what I'm seeing currently at the local level or at the national right. level, right? So and that's why, that's why the first year of the CPA, uh, Ron and Rudy pretty much traveled the country and judged, yeah. had judged every show because they wanted to get the message across to the other provinces that this is what we're looking for. So, you know, they wanted yeah. to set that, they wanted to set that trend right away. And, uh, those guys were, they were in a lot of, on a lot of airplanes that year. They were, they, oh, were yeah. the I, uh, that year. They, they came to Winnipeg. It was earlier that 2018. I remember, I think it was February. They came to Winnipeg and, uh, and I saw, uh, I think online that they were going to be here at that point. I didn't know which route I was going to get, I, I, mm -hmm. whether I was going to stay where I was or where I was going to try the CPA. And I think a lot of people were in the same boat. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to see what they have to say. And after answering a few of my questions, actually, I was like, you know what? I think I'm switching because this is a, a lot more clear. It's a lot more. Yeah. Um, they're taking just the fact that they're taking the time to actually go out there and, and, and get that information out is going to make yeah. it a lot more. Um, a lot more clear for athletes and coaches to know what they're shooting for as opposed to just and then guessing and then being completely confused with the yeah. results. Yeah. Listen, I, I've been working with Ron and Rudy for 20 years. Uh, those guys, they they have the, they, they are true fans of the sport. They, they are passionate about the sport and they want the sport to go in the right direction. And uh, they're very dedicated. And uh, those guys, I take my hat off to them. They've, they've been like, Rudy especially has mentored me in judging throughout the years. I've probably judged 200 shows with Rudy over the years. And um, I've learned so much from Rudy and Ron. And um, yeah, they've uh, they've definitely taken things to another level. You know, I a lot of respect for those two, and I think the, the CPA is in good hands. Absolutely, and kind of just going back to uh, to my experience being coached by Fouad, is he still a coach uh, these days, or does he kind of take him? He does here and there. Uh, he's getting busier and busier. You know, he's yeah. got a lot going on these days. Um, so you know, I think less so, but he does. I believe still has some clients. I'm not sure if he gets involved with. Um, judging uh competitors as much anymore because that, that's very involved obviously and he mm -hmm. just doesn't have the time to commit to that probably anymore um but you know i you know i don't want to speak for him though he may still be taking on some clients here and there i just don't know to what extent anymore yeah and and you know as i mentioned earlier like he was my very first non-local kind of higher level type of coach and he i had such a good service from him in 2013 he uh yeah. he would take the time of you know even though i was an amateur i was doing the first nationals he would take the time to speak to me on the phone and he you could tell he's very passionate about the sport. Yes. That's actually what drove me to being uh, to hire him because he, he, if you go back to like he, he doesn't I don't know if he posts as many like so to speak motivational type of videos lately, but like the, between I think 2011 and perhaps 20. 
15 or so, you would listen to that man speak when he was training and, and, and you know, trying to get a little bit of, of his mental, mental approach when it came to the prep and everything. He, he was so freaking intense. You could tell. Yeah. He's, like, this, yeah. he's where he is because of how he thinks. And, you know, a lot of people might, might consider that a little bit too much. But I, in my opinion, that's what drew me, you know, drove me to, to hire him because that's I, at that point, at that point, I don't think we had 2013. We still had just bodybuilding. I don't think we had any other classes. Maybe men's yeah, physique had just been introduced. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, by 13, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you were going to do bodybuilding, there was no really, uh, you know, any other choice. You had to train, you know, balls out. And if you didn't, then it's just, this is not for you type of thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I obviously I've learned, you know, so much from food over the years. But uh, what's always impressed me, though, is his intensity. Like, um, just he's, he's a beast in the gym. You know, he just, he's a beast. You know, there's time, there's days where, you know, like I'm thinking, okay, man, we're pretty much done, aren't we? And then, you know, he wants to go do a couple more hardcore, <laughs> you know, compound movements to failure. And I'm like, oh my God, how do you do it? You know, <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's an animal. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, through your years of training, as you continue to train, as you perhaps got a little bit older, as you say, uh, mm -hmm. did you did you change your style of training or your approach in any way? And if so, well, how? Yeah, well, I tore my pec really bad in 2007. Uh, I, I, and I couldn't get it fixed because it, it tore in the belly. It didn't tear at the attachment. So I could never get it fixed. So that really affected my chest training moving forward. Um, and then I had um, my uh, labrum reattached on that same side um, three years ago now. Uh, and that was an injury that I, I think was building because of the pec tear. I think it was my shoulder compensating for, you know, my pec tear. So it wore out. It just, you know, led to issues in my shoulder, which eventually led to a, a, a labral tear. So, yeah, my training over the years has had to change. I, gone are the days where I could go in and just start lifting heavy. You know, like I have to warm up thoroughly. Um, I have to, I, it feels a lot better if I start with isolation movements and then get into my compound movements, you know. So, yeah, uh, age catches up. You gotta be, you gotta be more careful. I actually had my very first scare uh, last year. I was doing, uh, I was starting with a line leg curl and I was recovering from a little bit of a cold so that's when your immune system is not at 100 yeah. percent. things are perhaps but, a little bit but we I, I do it too i train when i'm sick all the time i should <laughs> yeah so i i go and you know i was it was actually the very first time that i went to the gym where i currently train and it was a nice brand new line leg it was pretty smooth so you know being the first time i wanted to see what i could do i load the like the whole thing i wasn't ready for it i i was trying to go for six eight reps or something rep number four I think I hear and feel a pop in my left hand. Oh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, man. Am I like, I was so scared that more than the pain or whatever, like how is the look going to be? Luckily yeah. it was just a little bit of a scare. They didn't nothing really. It was just like a, like a strain. I feel, oh really? Yeah. It still oh, got lucky. like red and yeah. you know, I had to really do, you know, some hot and cold, uh, but, uh, the, the look wasn't 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 really affected it was weaker okay. for you know the, the probably the majority of last year but then you know look wasn't affected and the strength is now but now, since then oh man like i if i have to take additional time even with these time slots if i have to take additional time to warm up it's just not worth it for you to yeah you know injured. it's the mental part of a tear is probably uh uh, the worst part I, I would well, maybe not maybe not worse but it's what takes much longer to get over i found with my pec tear it took me probably two years to get on a bench press again uh just mentally oh my god every 
Oh man, it was it was horrible. Even like I want when I first uh, rehabbed my pec, you know, it took I was in physio for months, um, and then when I finally started, you know, getting to the point where I thought I could do a little chest again, I would start with like push-ups, you know, something with no no load bearing. Mm-hmm. And even that, I would get, I would start to uh, I would start to descend into the uh, bottom position, and that thought that 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 sort of like that sensation would come back to my brain, and yeah. it'd be like, okay, stop, stop, you know. So just I just oh, it's hard to get it out of your head, man. Like. If you, uh, if you're Byron, have you ever experienced a, a, a muscle tear, a bad one? I, I haven't really experienced like a muscle tear, but I uh, actually in both arms, Humberto, if you remember, just over one year ago, I remember getting both elbows just completely swollen, and I was wondering what was wrong. I was running a cycle. I was running a lot of trend mm-hmm. that I didn't tell this one about. I was <laughs> a lot of tests and trend, so I didn't really yeah, feel. That's that. why I like having these conversations. Sometimes <laughs> certain things come out. Yeah. <laughs> so like. <laughs> So before, before Humberto was my coach, it was kind of bro, bro science just to give some background story. Uh, the guy I was getting my gear from basically was like, yeah, don't worry. Like, use this amount. <laughs> and it was a stupid amount of drugs. Really? It was like, yeah, it was like, yep, no problem. Your first time run like a CC and a half of tests like twice a week. You know, <laughs> uh, run a full full CC of Trent every week. You're fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> so I'm doing this. And, you know, they say that when you, when you abuse uh, – trembolone acetate that sometimes it shuts off the pain receptors so it's not even that you're stronger at first it's just you're not feeling the pain as you should be right well it turned out i had tendonitis in both arms and i didn't know it at the time so i'm getting these crazy pains you know they're super swollen constantly and i'm like what yeah. the fuck you know and we this is when we were talking about like me doing my first prep right and then i'm like something's really wrong and i i, I messaged humberto and i'm like something's wrong i'm gonna go to pan am like uh the, the clinic here and get x-rays okay i go get x i go get x-rays and the guy's like yeah you can't lift another weight with your upper body for god i don't even know how long he's like <laughs> he's like any more strain on either joint he's like and that's it you need surgery on both arms really well like, was was it like, your triceps was it your tricep tenants that were yeah that, exactly that yeah. tearing off really yeah. eh? i've never Just had completely elbow swollen. Issues, but really oh man so yeah. all this fluid in there right i guess um yeah. Yeah, you know, trend. I've run trend in the years. You know, I don't touch it anymore. But you know, trend is a great drug. You know, it makes you feel like you can. It makes you feel like you can. You know, lift anything. You know, great pumps. You know, you get harder and leaner and bigger. But mentally, I, I used to find trend made me moody. That was my biggest problem with it. So I did. You know, anytime I ran it, I would. I would. It, it's you know. it's it's funny you say that because I find a lot of people say that the same thing about trend. I never found that trend made me moody. Like no. I'm already kind of like a passive aggressive person. So if I'm like, I'm in a bad mood, I'm in a bad mood, but trend never made it any worse for me. Actually, it was things like, like Winstrol, for example, when I was really? taking Winstrol towards the end of the prep, I found I got super annoyed very easily. And if I was feeling something, I would just, you know, kind of blurt it out and just yeah. you know, not really care at all about someone's right. feelings, but it was never the trend. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't, I started noticing it as I got older more, more so than when I was younger. Um, uh, not not just t- uh, trend in particular, but like you know now I just do TRTs, you know, and and you know maybe a little growth here and there, but um, I don't throw anything else in anymore, just because I notice at my age now the side effects are harsher now, like okay. especially when it comes to you know like I'm, I'm usually not, I'm I'm a pretty laid back guy, I don't get too moody, but if I'm tired, that's when I tend to get moody, um, and I you know it just it it for me it would make that worse and. I don't like being that way anymore. Yeah, I Paul, can you? It's oh, it's uh, sorry. It's uh, individual dependent almost because some people get that, but some other people get some other uh, side effects. Like I personally, I actually get freaking paranoid, man. 
Like, really? you know, I would take everything a lot more personal. I would read into things more. Yeah. I have nightmares that my spouse is cheating on me. And I wake up <laughs> freaked out. It's so freaking random, man. And I, you know what? It's like, I wake up with Can I check her phone? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, zero reason. I have zero reason to be so. But that's a freaking trend. Too, well, at least you can blame it on the trend. You're like, I need me, babe. It's a trend. <laughs> You know, actually, come to think of it, I'm really happy I was single for the last little bit of prep there because I feel I that the anxiety thing or like the, the increased anxiety, I feel like if I was dating somebody, I would have felt the exact same way because yeah. there were times when I get the night terrors from oh, yeah, for whatever reason, right? I get those. I get those because I have breathing issues. I have a deviated septum and um, okay. I just yep. I find, especially in the what you do too. Yeah, I'm waiting for surgery, but because of COVID, who knows when it's going to be now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find, especially in the wintertime when the furnace is on in the house and the air is a little bit drier, it gets bad. And I'll wake up sometimes in the middle of the night thinking that I'm choking and mm -hmm. yeah, I'll freak out sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Yeah. It hasn't been as bad lately, but yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. So when it comes to that, like, do you wake up and did you stop breathing when, when you were sleeping and you wake up and you feel a certain way or? Um, sometimes it almost feels like I'm dreaming that I stopped breathing. Uh, that's what it feels like. At least I know I do snore because I, I, I downloaded one of these sleep apps on my phone and it kind of records you as you sleep. And, uh, and it's kind of cool. It shows you when you snore and it records it for you so you can hear yourself. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much I snored. Like my kids would tell me sometimes like, daddy, I heard you snore last night. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I probably just woke up, you know, for a couple <laughs> minutes, but I, uh, but on this app, it shows me, I actually do snore quite a bit apparently. So I've always known I had sleep apnea. Uh, so I have a machine. I have, a uh, one of those sleep app machines, but I don't the like sleep it. Sleep machine? Yeah, but I just can't get used to it. You know, yeah. I try it sometimes. I just, uh, I'm in the exact same boat. I, I even had a, a sleep study done and everything. I got yeah, me a, too. Had a whole, whole machine. And I've tried even different types of masks, so to speak. Because me too. the main one, as soon as I feel that there's something on my face, I just can't sleep. And I've even tried yeah. the one that is, it's got the cord and it's got the two little things that will just go on your, yeah. on your nose and they won't, it won't, it won't feel supposedly as invasive. It yeah. still does. I feel like I have, I have something there. So I've tried. I've, I've tried it. I was actually speaking to someone earlier this week and he said, it took me 90 days consecutively to get used to it. I'm like, oh man, okay. Then I have, yeah. I have some hope, I guess, but it's, that's, yeah. that's like 90 days or, or, or potentially very bad sleep because you're just not really. Right. But you know what happens to me is like, I'll try it. Right. And I'll put it on when I start the night. And then I always got to get up once or twice to, you know, use the washroom in the middle of the night. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, the last thing I want to do when I'm half asleep, you know, going back in the bed is to strap this thing back on my face again before I go back to bed. So I get lazy with it. I'm like, ah, whatever, you know, and I'll just, uh, I'll go back to bed without it. And I don't know. It's, I have the same issues. I don't love having this thing on my face. You know, and I tried the one that goes over your nose. That mm -hmm. one I couldn't do either. So yep. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have to find a way of, of making it happen. I guess I've even uh, have you ever tried the strips, like the adhesive yeah. strips? Do you yeah. find that uh, those work a little bit better? They help a little, you know, uh, which you know they do help a little, but then sometimes they'll fall off during the night or they'll make my nose itchy because one side yep. came off. You know, mm -hmm. there's no, I just I want to get the septum surgery so bad. I uh, I know from what I've heard, I'll actually have a couple of friends who've, who've had it done, and I know the recovery sucks. Like for a couple of weeks afterwards, it fucking sucks. I and I'm I'm okay with that. Like just because for the long term good, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Everyone I know who's had it done says like it was life changing, and that's what I'm hoping to experience with it too. But one thing I did here, I heard us on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan had it done too, and he was Ooh. talking about it in one of his uh, podcasts. He said I already got a big nose, and he said his nose got bigger afterwards because what? of extra. Yeah, because he's so used to breathing through his mouth, just like I am, that his nose wasn't being used as much for breathing. So once he got the septum surgery and he started using his nose, his nose more to breathe, his nose actually got bigger. 
I'm gonna be screwed, man. I'm gonna be all nose. That's all you hey, gonna man. see on my face. <laughs> it, adds, it adds to your personality. It's all good, man. It's just, you're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you're you're married. You got kids. You're fine. Yeah, whatever. You know, as long as wife's okay with so. it. <laughs> <laughs> all nose, he says. <laughs> That's funny, Paul. I actually have a question. Yeah, and, and I'm really I'm really curious about this one because I know. You and Fuad used to bump heads a little bit, right? Or like you, like what was it? Like he was young, and you thought he was like super arrogant or something when you guys. Oh, first the first time. We, well, but I, yeah, okay. So um, I judged Fuad's first show. We weren't friends yet, though. Um, but I judged his first show, and he, you know, he, I always break his balls and say that he should have won. I gave him a gift, but he actually should have won. He was a clear winner. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, just no. Uh, I just there was just one particular day that that uh, I was at the gym. And uh, I was leaving. I was walking out of the dressing room, and he was walking into the dressing room. And it was shortly after he competed in, um, I think it was the Ontario's maybe. So he was on his way to the higher levels of amateur, but he wasn't there yet. And uh, I, he said something to me like, hey, uh, you're a judge, eh? Or something like that. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, I heard you just did Ontario's whatever. I, at the time, I wasn't a provincial level judge yet. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to turn pro in a couple of years, and I'm going to be on the Olympia stage one day. And I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. I was like, How many you times you've heard that before? Probably. Yeah. Well, and like I told you guys earlier, like back then in Canada, only one guy turned pro a year, you know, so it was very prestigious. And like, you know, from Windsor, um, like nobody from Windsor ever turned pro before. Um, now we've got quite a few, but back in those days, like nobody from where I'm from ever reached that level. So I was just like, oh, you know, I've seen guys like you over the years, like, you know, whatever. And yeah. but that's what, you know, when Fuad, that's what I've learned about him over the years. When he wants something, he's going to make it happen. And he did make it happen, you know, and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, this guy's. What year did he turn pro? Uh, 2000 and man, he's going to kill me for not knowing this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I want to say it was 2007 okay. or 2006, one or the other. So he, he turned pro in 2006, I think it was. Was it 2006? Um, I think it was 2006. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. I think it was and 2006. He cracked top five at the Arnold Classic a few years later, right? Yeah, uh, Fouad's best placing at the Arnold's was uh, sixth. Six, sorry, um, sixth. Yeah, um, he, um, he won two pro shows. Uh, I believe he has three or four second places and about five third places. So yeah, he's I think he's had about ten total top ten or top three finishes in his career. That's amazing. That's pretty impressive. I was just I was curious in the time frame of how long it took him turning pro to the top six place in the Arnold Classic. If you happen to know that, um, it was a couple of years. About five years. It wasn't too years. long, then. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was it five? Okay. I would say maybe six years or so, roughly somewhere around that time frame at least. Okay. Let's backtrack a little bit then. Uh, you you judged him in one of his first amateur shows, and then first, he yeah. turns he turns pro. You, you guys become friends at some point in between there, and then he ends up he ends up prepping you for a show. How's yeah, it, like, I, how's um, it all happen exactly? Well, what I what I, that's how, that's how we became friends. Um, I started competing when I was nineteen. I did my first show in nineteen ninety two. Um, I did a junior at the time. It was still Stratford. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Stratford show here in Ontario. It's um, it's now called the Jim Morris uh, Memorial. Um, it's probably I think it is the longest standing show in Ontario. Um, it's, it's something like 40 years or so that show's been oh, around. Wow. Yeah, and Stratford's a really small town, so it's kind of cool that like it's kind of like a really grassroots show, even though now okay. the shows move. But I always love that show. But anyways, it was my first show that I did. I did it as a junior in 1992, and um, then the following year um, I did it. Um, and as an open competitor, because by that point I was 20. And um, and then I did the Western Ontario's, I did the Junior Ontario's, I did the Western Ontario's, and then I took um, 
uh, almost a 10 year hiatus. What happened was I did the Western Ontarios and I thought I was a pretty good bodybuilding time. I won, I won it overall when I was 20. Um, I've been putting a magazine, a couple of magazines at that point. So I thought, you know, this may be the sports for me. And I did the Western Ontarios and I got destroyed. Uh, you guys remember who Greg Kovacs was? Oh yeah. yeah. Greg Kovacs was in that show as an amateur. Greg Kovacs was a heavyweight. I was a light heavyweight. Um, oh. and, and Fred, and, you know who Fred Antiwi is? He owns a uh, muscle memory magazine. I don't think I've heard that, that I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Freaky Freddy, what we used to call him. He was like, he was like an amateur flex wheeler. This guy just had like an incredible oh, physique. So no. Freddie won the show. Greg Kovacs came in second. And uh, so I was, I was, when I saw these guys, I was just like, oh my God, like I'm in the wrong sport. Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm like the size of Greg Kovacs' forearm. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, it really deflated me and I didn't do well at that show. And after that, I didn't compete again for 10 years. And then when I decided to get back in the sport again, which was in uh, 2004, I did the, I wanted to get back, I wanted to go, I wanted to compete again. I just got the bug again, you know, training was going really well. And uh, I needed someone to coach me though. Cause even though I was a judge at that time, I wasn't, um, I, I was sort of out of touch with um, the competitive side as to what athletes were doing to prepare for shows. And, you know, I needed someone to help me. So uh, by that point, Fuad was a national level competitor. Um, I knew him a little bit by that point, not well, but enough to talk to him in that. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to, I just asked him to help me. And he did. And we became friends after that. We became training partners a couple years after that. And yeah, our, our friendship just grew after that. For those, awesome, you who don't, who don't, for those of you who don't know perhaps who Greg Kovacs is, he's probably one of the largest bodybuilders from Canada ever. Like uh, the only one, well, the one that I can think of uh, at the top of my head would be Paul Dillett. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Greg, as far as I knew, <coughs> off season, is 350 plus. Oh yeah, well, I think even 400. I think he reached 400. I, I, was, I, I think I read that too. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, that's that's some some next. Oh, uh, and he was freakish. Oh, he was tall. He was about six four or so. Um, Greg Kovacs and that show too. Greg was um, Lou Frigno guest pose at that show, and this is when Lou Frigno made his comeback to the stage in the 1993 Mr. Olympia. And, um, and it was all the rage about Lou coming back that year. And uh, he was going to weigh 300 pounds on stage, which was, you know, he was what people were expecting. Um, and this is before the internet, right? So you couldn't check online to see, you know, how Lou Frick did what he was looking like or anything. Yeah. You had to wait for the magazines to come out to see what he looked like or anything. <laughs> and, uh, so Lou Frick, no guest pose of that show and Kovacs was just as big as him. It was like, so, you know, That's as a wild, yeah. So as a 20 year old kid, you know, doing my third show or whatever, I'm just like, wow, like I'm in the wrong sport. Like, you know, I got to go back to school, get a career. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that kind of so, just deflated me for the sport for a while. <laughs> I guess that would probably happen to anybody a little bit, right? Going up against yeah. a muscle like Greg Kovac or Paul Dillette. Just out of curiosity, how did you transition into judging? Uh, so uh, do you guys know Nimrod King, who Nimrod King is? That sounds familiar, yes. Oh yeah, you gotta see Nim uh, if you Google him. Uh, Go uh, Nim was a Canadian pro. Uh, he lived in Windsor briefly, um, and Nim Nim uh, we, we became friends and uh, and and occasional training partners. And at the time, Nim was a judge, and at the time, he was also a regional director for the OPA, which was the Ontario Physique Association at the time. And so Nim needed some judges, and yeah, he knew I was uh, you know really involved in the sport or a big fan of the sport, so he asked me to to judge and. After that, uh, and a friend of mine, Darren Fink, who was also a judge at the time, um, and he was a head judge at the time, uh, he sort of got me into the, got me involved, mentored me a little bit, at the, at the, mentored me at first, and then, uh, you know, and then I just, uh, you know, after that, just started doing more shows and we grew so, from there. So how did you transition, I guess, is my next question from coaching amateur shows in the CPA to becoming a pro league judge? Was it an easy transition or was there a lot more to it? Um, well... For me, the biggest transition in judging was um, 
the time was when we um, when when Ron started the Super Show, the um, the uh, the Ontario, which was at the time the Ontario Provincial Championships uh, on the amateur side. Uh, when Ron started that, then it you know it, it sort of um, it judging became a lot different at that point because now we're judging like mega shows like that. Sh that show's had up to six hundred competitors in it before, and um, and you're on tight time frames with that show, very tight time frames because the state the stage is scheduled for the pro show later on and whatnot. So you have to work quickly on that show. You have to work very quickly, and you have to uh, be on your toes. And um, I think that's where um, my biggest growth as a judge uh, became. Uh, when I started judging those bigger shows like that, and um, then when I test judged my first nationals, I was ready for it because i've been so used to judging these big ontario shows where you know uh no knock to other judges from other provinces but um some of the other provinces didn't have the numbers that we did in ontario for, for you know for their for their provincial championships so for a sort of some a judge from a smaller province it might have been hard transition but i feel like i was ready because i was so used to judging and that ontario that ontario provincial championships back in those days was a very competitive show like usually guys left that show and went on to you know, do very well at nationals, if not win nationals and pro after that. So that, that, that's where I feel like that prepared me a lot for the nationals and the nationals obviously prepared me for the pro shows, but the pro shows, I little, I don't have much experience yet because last year with COVID, I couldn't judge any shows. So I've only judged one pro show so far, uh, the Dagger Falls pro in 2019. Uh, okay. So I'm looking forward to judging some shows this year and I'm praying that shows will get canceled again. No, hopefully. hopefully. I mean, we, we, need, we need these shows. We're like, there's a lot of people yeah. already like, yeah. you know, waiting like lions. They've been prepping for the entire year last year. I mean, it was unfortunate that we weren't able to to get any any pro qualifiers in Canada. I I don't think we had any. Not, not last year. I think this yeah. year I'm especially excited because we, you're going to have a combination from people that were going to do the shows last mm -hmm. year, the year before and whatever carry on, carried um, qualifications are, all, right. are also in place from this year and from previous years, people that requalify through the, through the pro qualifier. So right. I expect this year's level to be something else in Canada because it's, but the, but the, but the only thing that kind of, for me at least, um, yeah. So with the gym is being closed though for the last year, I don't know what to expect, you know, cause I mean, not everyone's had access to, to a training facility. Um, so you guys promote a show too, right? Um, I am a co-promoter with a show, but this show is actually in Cancun, Mexico, and it's going to happen for oh, the very wow. first time. It's an NPC, NPC worldwide regional show. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I am, I am partners with the promoter of the shows here in Winnipeg, both the, there's a natural and a regional show. They used to have it at different dates. Uh, but now since last year, they started kind of having it in the same day because it's, I mean, a little bit more cost efficient. Uh, oh, okay. Well, well, me and Fulan have a couple of shows that we promote together. Um, and this year we combine them in the one just because, you know, I'm hoping that they don't get canceled again. So I thought a better chance to combine them. I don't know what to expect as far as competitors go. Um, you know, like in years past, our Toronto show um, that we used to hold in Mississauga, now we moved to Oakville. Uh, we used to get about 200 athletes for that show. And our Windsor show, we get close to 100. But this year, I have no idea what to expect at all. So I don't know. Here's I mean, one thing I, I will know. say. With that? Right. I was going to say something, actually. Um, I don't know how active you are on your instagram to be honest but it seems like all the guys who are somewhat contenders at nationals to either win their class or potentially maybe win an overall found a way to buy a home gym or yeah. throw in if other guys yeah. at the same level to purchase a ton yeah. of stuff over the cold yeah. lockdown I, I do i do follow most of the competitors uh that, that i know that i'm familiar with and uh yeah i know i mostly love adjusted you know i mean if you want to train you're going to find a way to train you know i mean yeah. that's you know if you want you know 
yeah. So yeah, I, I, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's, but that's you know, insane. but but the, but but at the same at the same time though, um, like, is the level going to be as like is your physique going to be as good without the without access to all the different equipment, you know, facilities that you might have had in the past? And I don't know if that's going to hold people back thinking that you know maybe I should trade for another year with you know proper mm-hmm. equipment and that, then get back on stage. I don't know. It's just. It's just a weird thing right now. I don't know. What it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be, yeah. yeah, that's going to definitely to be interesting because there's so yeah. many factors that are going to be playing a role into the right. level, right? I mean, I do think that, I mean, then again, social media is one thing. The real, the real life thing is another one. But from yeah. the social media pictures that I've seen of some athletes, it seems like some of them have even stepped it up even more. Because better. It's almost like when you, when you take, I mean, and, and this is the case for me, when you want something, Let's say to 90%, and then it's kind of like in, in, in a sense taken away from you. You realize how much you freaking want it, and then you yeah. do you're almost like extra hungry to make it happen whenever that happens. Like that, I know that's the case for me. You know, I was really hoping to step in on stage last time, and that was actually um I, I I would go as far as saying probably my best version yet. Some muscle groups perhaps weren't as developed or either, but the overall. Um, yeah. balance was was probably amongst the best that I've ever had and really? I, th- I know this is the case from 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 many competitors that were prepping for either whether it was a nationals or a Toronto pro qualifier I think I think it's probably especially more challenging for categories like bodybuilding where you need right. to use that that weight and you have to really Definitely. have that variety and, and ability to train to best intensity right yeah, well, when the lockdowns first started last March, um, for the first little while, I uh, didn't have anywhere to train just because, you know, it kind of took everyone by surprise. So, you know, I hadn't had a chance to talk to any gym owners yet to, you know, see where I could train or anything like that. So uh, for the first few couple of weeks, I would say two to four weeks or so, I didn't have anywhere to train. So I like went out uh, right away. I went out and bought a bench, but, uh, you know, barbells, some weights, some dumbbells, um, a squat rack, because uh, I was like, there's no way I'm going to go without it. Um, so, you know, and luckily it was very early on before it was getting snatched up you know as much as it was later um but the only thing i found challenging like i could get a good chest workout still at home you know the equipment i had i could get a good shoulder workout good arm workout i found back and legs so it was difficult mm. to to get a good workout. i could squat all day and you know and you can row all day with barbell rows dumbbell rows but that's pretty much what i found myself limited to doing and uh yeah. you know you do some lunges you know some things like that for legs too but you know, it was back to the old days of doing like dumbbell leg curls, you know, putting a dumbbell between your feet and doing leg curls that way, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that was the mentality from a lot of people too. Like I know some friends of mine, they would be like, well, if these physiques in the golden era were able to develop their physiques with limited equipment. For sure. Is there really, do we really have an excuse to not at least? Try? No, this is you'll adjust. Bad, right? Yeah, you'll adjust. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, I remember my dad, I was telling you guys before my dad used to lift, he was, uh, like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. So my dad used to tie cinder blocks on the end of bars and just use those <laughs> for weights. <laughs> Jeez. You adapt, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll adapt. You know, if you want to train, you're going to find a way. If you want it bad enough. Yeah. Uh, actually, I have a curveball here, Humber, that I didn't tell you about. Um, so one of Humberto's clients, I told him that you were going to be on, he's a huge fan of yours and quads. And he asked if you'd be willing to rate his physique for him. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. There we go. <laughs> oh, thank you, Paul. This is great. Yeah, Give no problem at all. And please I'm new to doing this. The fact that that is my client, like I actually go on the on the meaner side if you can, because that's just me. Like approach. <laughs> oh, so I guess a uh, little background his place. His best place at nationals was top five in his class. Top five, yeah. Classic for men's, 
That's meant Ziggler? to Zeke, actually. Okay. Who is He's a big boy. Brendan Cohen, man. Oh, Brendan Cohen. Okay. So this is the yeah. guy that I was telling you that refuses to meant to Zeke and loves that deadlift. This, this is a guy that likes a deadlift? Okay. Yeah. 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 He's a big boy, though. He's a big boy. Yeah. So. Uh, share yeah. screen. Oh, you know what? Uh, does he have any stage shots on here, Humberto? I don't actually he know. Should, yeah. From the it Van Dyke. Looks pretty, it, looks, it looks pretty thick. A He's a uh, six two, I believe. What, what's six he weigh? Two two hundred and fifty two pounds. I uh, think his last year. Two hundred what? Uh, two fifty two. He's, really? he's got he's, he's got two overalls under his belt. Yeah, man's wow. physique. He's a big he's a big boy. Uh, what's his legs like? Uh, not they great. are actually no. his last post. His last post uh, didn't keep uh, like right at the top. Oh, that's a, that's a nice back. Uh, yeah. right Here, the, uh, let, let's let's start with the front pose, and then we'll get to the legs after. So okay, this was 2019 Canadian National Pro Qualifier. Okay, you know, for a big guy, his waist is pretty small. He's got a pretty tight waist. Um, looks like his chest is a little bit shallow from that shot, at least. Um, shoulders look good. Nice round delts. Um, looks like he might be lacking a little bit of triceps there. Looks like his biceps are pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a big man, right? Like 6'2", 250. That's a that's a big dude. That's uh, you know, we're talking earlier about being too big for your class. That's going to be borderline, you know. I and mean, he's he's aesthetic. Don't get me wrong, but I would I would you know if his legs aren't bad, I would think about going classic if I was him. His back looks good. I like his back. Um, it's thick. It's thick down the middle. He's got a good lat development. Maybe a little bit more lower lat. Maybe it'll help him a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see the triceps are a little bit lacking there. Mm -hmm. um, delts are good though. Good rear delts. Good traps, good rhomboids. Yeah, he's thick in the back. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if I could see his legs, like he looks, that's a pretty thick back for men's physique. Um, I'm just wondering if, you know, uh, yeah, he's doing a lat spread there almost. <laughs> Looks like he wants to be a bodybuilder. I don't know. I, you know, I would seriously consider classic if I was him. He's a big guy. There's a video just uh, a little bit lower than that, uh, Byron. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Right there. Right uh, oh, there, well, it's not a great shot, but. Is this oh. the one? Well, that is, tiny, that right? is kind of showing showing the legs a little bit. Yeah, they don't look small by any means. Um, he uh, he's working them a lot, actually. He does he uh, train his legs? Yeah, yeah he, 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 uh, he plans on going uh, moving up to classic physique next year. This year was still going to. Well, then why do then why do that? men's physique? But then why do men's physique for one more year if that's his ultimate goal? I don't think his lower body is ready for. Okay, uh, but then I would. But then, in my in my opinion, he should start training for it for next year instead of because you can't put on muscle when you're in a calorie deficit. You're dieting down for shows. Mm -hmm. If if that's where he wants to be and that's where his best chance of going pro is, in my opinion, I, you know, I don't mean to you know, you yeah. know, step on your toes or anything here. You're, no, no, you're no, your coach, but, no, but no, I would, I would if 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 his if, if ultimately he's going to be in classic and you see that's his best chance of going pro. In my opinion, I would take that time now to make those changes to his physique. To, to, to become the best class physique competitor that he can be because he's going to be dieting down for three or four months. So that's mm -hmm. not that, so that's good. He's not going to make gains in that time while he's dieting down, you know, mm -hmm. at best you're going to maintain your muscle mass. Um, so I, I think that time can be better spent putting the work in that he needs Sorry. for his ultimate goal, in my opinion. Okay. You know, he's going to completely smile at this because this is probably something that is going to, uh, Oh, he's going to make his entire that's what kind you of what tell. Yeah. You could tell that he likes deadlift. He's got a thick back. You could tell he likes yeah. deadlift. But I was starting like a more now. He's got to get a little bit wider in the back, a little bit, uh, a little bit more last. He's a big man. You know, when you're going against guys that size, you got to have a, you know, back to match. Not that his back doesn't match now. It's mm -hmm. just, um, I think there's room to grow in the lats, especially, but it's thick enough 
right now as it is, but I would focus on making that back a little bit wider now. Um, but uh, yeah, from just from those shots, that one front shot that I saw, it looked like his chest was a bit shallow. You know, maybe use a little bit more mass, especially if he's going to move into classic. But um, but I like to see his legs. You know, when when uh, you know when he start, I like to see a, a leg shot though and see what his legs look like and how yeah, you know, how chest, his. chest, triceps, and, and lower body, I think, would be what. Uh, and you know, he's in, he's in one. Uh, he's in a similar position uh, as me. Uh, what I mentioned last year, where I. He tore his hand, one of his hamstrings. Um, oh wow! Okay. And that is something that, right? It's been it's been enough years that now he can, you know, he's past that. I believe he he can train hard enough, but that is something that up to this point has definitely played a a role in you know behind. Subconsciously, yeah. you're always trying to be extra careful. Yeah. You're not perhaps perhaps not going as hard as you potentially could. Yeah. But, uh, Was it a bad tear? I you could see it slightly. Um, oh, slightly so, okay. So vi visually, it's it's. I mean, obviously that can perhaps be, you're still going to see it in a back, in a back post in classic physique, but that's something perhaps that you can. Does it affect hit the, um, does it affect the, uh, the, uh, the, the roundness of, of his, of his hamstring though, such from a side shot? Well, he passed. No, 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 not overly. No. You know, it might not really hurt him that bad, especially if it's a, a you know, a small tear that's not that noticeable. Um, but I, how old is he? He's 24. Like 23. Oh, he's 24. young. Oh man. He's young. He's got lots of time to grow. Yeah, I would I would try to get over that mental thing with the terror then and start growing them legs and get on a yeah. even maybe even open stage one day. That's a that's a big dude. Yeah, yeah this will be what his frame. third or fourth uh pro qualifier, Humberto. Really? Uh well actually it's funny enough because that those pictures that you showed, I was I that was the year that I did not coach him. Uh he's come back to me uh, you know, for, for this next next year. So but um sorry, what was your question, Byron? Um He's done. He's done two, two, two or three two pro qualifiers, I believe. Um, this kid has grown over the last years. Like his first, the first show that he did with me, he probably weighed. I think he weighed 190 pounds. The year after, he weighed 205, about the same level of condition. So that's a good 15 pounds yeah. on 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 you know his physique. And then the year after, he weighed 220 or 225. So that's another really? 15. So he's, so he he's been very consistent. Yeah, that I put him uh, on a good leg program and get him some wheels. Yeah. Put him on a bodybuilding stage one day. <laughs> That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And you know what? In, in, with him and in, in a lot of younger kids, I think what they <clears throat> lack is uh, patience. And that's something that I've emphasized yeah. with him because they're, 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 they just want everything they want it now, whether yeah. it's the supplements, you know, the cycle, the training, or whatever. And yeah. there is also the element of ego lifting when it comes to. So that is either going to potentially injure you. Potentially not really engage the muscle as much as as you can. You know, you're 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 thinking more about the weight as opposed to what actually happens internally with yeah. the weight. Uh, so that's something that I think with the younger kids, uh, he bugs me. You know, he calls me that I'm old. You know, I got ten years on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah, he gives me a hard time every single time. Whether it's that or he's a very strong guy too. So yeah, you know, he uh, he definitely, I guess, makes the got point. Some big lifts. Yeah, he's yeah, got some pretty really, yeah. You know, he, he'll have like a the Six or seven plate side. deadlift. Yeah, like rack Sorry, pull, I'm, I'm, some eight or nine plates aside. Really? Like it's, it's, oh, yeah, man, yeah. He gotta get, he's got to transition. The, the physique's not for him, man. In my <laughs> he loves okay. it, though. There you he go. You heard it here. Well, but why? What do you, like, what's he like about men's physique? He's like about bodybuilding. No, no, no. Okay, so he is currently in men's physique because up until now, in my opinion, the legs definitely need to come up. Um, I don't think he's got a chance of really show what he currently has 
as for men's physique. As you mentioned, he's borderline a little bit bigger. So that definitely is something that we would take into consideration because if this is coming from a head judge, if this is something that I would not take, you know, lightly. It's, it's definitely an important opinion. So thank you for that. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he, at heart, he's a bodybuilder. Like he loves the heavy lifting, the intense training. Does he? Well, then I would, uh, yeah. yeah. Then man, like, yeah, I would, yeah, turn him loose. You know, have yeah. him, get him to train. And if you could maybe just get him to stay off the stage for a year or so, just to, you know, f you know, build his body where it needs to be for classic or bodybuilding, mm -hmm. you know, but I, you know, especially with that, being that young, you know, because, uh, you know, like one thing that's, you know, I think uh, can do some people a disservice too is, especially when you're a classic physique competitor or a bench physique competitor, you can't get too big, right? So you have to really tailor your training accordingly. And uh, someone like that who's strong and wants to lift heavy, you know, it's kind of like you feel like you're kind of like holding them back a little bit, you know? And like, you know, I think, you know, I think just from the little bit that you guys have told me about him, seeing his pictures, my opinion is he, he should be a bodybuilder. You know, Which is why I, I also love the fact that we have now the wellness category, because kind of going back to the fact that some people previously have had to hold back in their training, particularly bikini competitors, perhaps, because, mm -hmm. you, you know, the criteria, you don't want overly developed lower body and some girls mm -hmm. really trying like training hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the moment that wellness category was introduced, it was just like you know, godsend for a lot of people because they're like, I yeah. don't have to hold back anymore because, you know, some girls perhaps didn't like the overly developed, in their opinion, shoulders for categories like figure or women's physique. Yeah. So they're like, kind of like, you know, they, they don't know exactly whether they should just hold back in their training, which makes it a little bit boring for them because they really enjoy training hard and heavy because yeah. I've had athletes right before the, the, the wellness category I was introduced. I had a couple athletes that they're like, I want to compete. I'm like, okay, your upper body is not big enough for figure uh your lower body is too big for bikini so we either take you some time off and train for figure which it's just well i don't like that look okay so yeah. then we're gonna have to the bikini but it's not gonna be fun because you're not yeah. you're, we're gonna have to be burning muscle you're gonna you're gonna lose muscle you're gonna have to not train that muscle that yes yeah you no know, yeah. perhaps sometimes no training no, no pressing movements no this no that no direct quad work anything you feel in your quads is you know off the table and that's yeah. a big multi-group that could also take uh, have a big impact in your overall calorie burning during you know, the, the entire prep, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. I, um, I think it was a good, it was a good, uh, addition wellness because, um, cause you'll, you'll, you'll see these females at some, some of the shows that they're a little bit more muscular in the lower bodies. And, I, and that seems to be, uh, something that's a little bit more common with females and is with males. I find, uh, just from my experience with judging, like you'll, it seems that you'd get these girls who are in bikini, especially in bikini, who are just their lower bodies, especially are just a little bit too muscular a little bit too big for a bikini mm -hmm. and um and they wouldn't do well because of that and uh you know so i think it was a really good category to add and i think it's really going to help even more so clearly define each category but what i think the best thing that's come out of adding these new categories is that it's clearly defined what the look is for each now like before um before we even had there was a time there where some of the categories would they were sort of getting uh the, the the lines were getting blurred between the categories you know you're getting men's physique guys showing up too big at times um so then classic physique was created and you know and i feel the same thing happened with with women with uh, the addition of bikini where you know you, you get uh you know someone who was a little bit more aesthetically pleasing but not as muscular as another girl and you know so the lines were getting blurred a lot i feel like with the addition of each new category it's clearly defined now what each category's look is and i, I think that's been a positive you know overall for the sport and i think a lot of uh, people are really waiting to see what this 
look is at the very least of the pro qualifier level because you know someone that is yeah. starting you know they, if they compare themselves to you know what you're going to see this year at the olympia they're going to be very disappointed they're yeah. going to be like perhaps discouraged because it's such a gap but you know seeing someone uh or, or you know somewhere in the level in between which would be you know your pro qualifier this year which we didn't have the chance to see last year i think is going to be very exciting for a lot of people this year because it just hasn't happened definitely kind of definitely and each category matures a little bit and evolves a little bit you know like the look might start out as this but it may evolve to this you know and that's just the way that's just the growth of a category in my opinion it's just the growth mm -hmm. of a sport you know it's an evolution so to speak um and i think that's you know because again we go back to who the, the who the who the reigning olympia is in that category of, of the, at that time and that's the standard set and that look can also change from time to time mm -hmm. and i think that's uh you know so there is going to be you know some slight changes in each category but with the ideal still being the same but you'll you will see each category evolve a little bit i think and it, it should that's just a natural progression of, uh, of things absolutely and even with classes such as uh class of physique for example you had the original attire or your suit that it was a little bit longer first and they're yeah. like you know what i think we want to show a little bit of that yeah it gets a little bit of the glute and not only that they also increased the uh the weight cap and i think yes. are they increasing it uh, yet again uh i haven't heard that they're increasing it this year uh but right now it's i believe 10 pounds heavier than it is an amateur um, yeah. Well, and they'll look at the first, the first Mr. Olympia Classic, Danny Hester, um, and that look has definitely evolved with uh, Chris Bumstead, the reigning champion. Um, you know, in each category, has gone through that that growth, I think. And uh, look at men's physique. You know how it's changed from Mark Anthony, who's Mark Mark's from Ontario. Um, you know, Mark Mark was a bodybuilder in Ontario back in the day, and then went on to become the first Mr. Olympia, uh, Mr. Physique Olympia. And uh, look how that look has changed to you know mm -hmm. uh, to now um even bikini as well you have the first yeah. the very first olympia who was it it was this one nicole negrani i think was the name of uh oh yes the olympia yeah. won a couple arnold's i believe you had yeah. that look in that specifically type of posing as well that has definitely changed yes the standards that we have right now as well right? yeah right yeah and you know yeah i think each each category then again i think that i think that's natural progression i think that's what that's, that's what should happen to things you know things evolve and they change a little bit but It'll be interesting to see how it goes in the in the coming years anyway you know especially if they keep upping the weight classes or the the weight limits, yeah. for example at some at some point you're gonna have to draw a line though because then it's become too much like bodybuilding again you know and then the lines yeah. are getting blurred again so yeah i, I think you know there will come a time where and it might change a little from year to year because obviously people get bigger and you know athletes get bigger and stuff too so it has to evolve a little bit but you know i i think uh where it's at right now i feel is a pretty good spot and you know but over the years, I probably will increase by a few pounds. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Actually, I got a question. Sorry, Sorry? But look, look at the 212. It used to be a 202. It used to be 202. You know, oh, really? Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. yeah, it was 202 up until, uh, well, Kevin English was the reigning 202 champion for many years. And then it switched to 212. And that's when Flex started his reign. Mm -hmm. Man, Sean Clarita looked insane this year. I just have to say that. He looked Sorry? so nuts. Sean Clarita? Oh, man. Did he, he ever, right? so crazy. Jeez. Yeah, yeah he's like a mini Kai Green. He's a huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. 100, he's... 190 pounds of absolute just shredded muscle. Yeah. Else but... Yeah, he's he's impressive, man. It is. You know, I like watching his videos. He's an intense trainer, too. And, yeah, and he's look how much he's grown over the years. Like, I remember him a few years ago. Like, he's put on so much muscle the last few years. And, and, the, and, he, and he hasn't lost any proportion. It's, you know, it's all been... In the right areas and yeah he's amazing what i loved actually what i loved the most about uh about him winning it this year is the approach that he had in his prep which is 
incredibly rare, which is not really talking too much or showing too much or posting too much. Yeah, he's old school. It, that, that's the definition of old school. Because you yeah. didn't have that, you know, in the Dorian uh, years. Like, no. you know, that would be the shadow that would train in a basement in, in, in the UK and you would only see him yeah. there. You know, a few weeks by you know a picture on Flex magazine or or on stage, right? That's yeah. I think that's also it makes things a lot more exciting. In the I think so too. Well, it's yeah. like it was almost like it was like the guys were under construction, so to speak. You know, you don't yeah. want to show too much yet. You know, and yeah. I yeah, like that. Yeah, that's back when you know the sport was so much more subcultureish back in those days. You know, and I, yeah. I love that part of it. But you know, mm -hmm. I mean, social media has changed that, but probably for the better for the growth of the sport. But just I'm old school. I miss those days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, this whole social media era and the addition of the classes has definitely contributed to making the sport a little bit more, growing it to, at the very least, somewhat closer to the other popular sports as well. The yeah. fan base has grown. You yeah. know, you have more people following the sport. Some of the physiques, especially uh, perhaps the bikini one or the men's physiques, they're more attainable. So that yes. is, you know, bringing in some interest of some people that perhaps don't like the look of the bodybuilder. Yeah, right? it's just it's not just a freak show anymore, you know, so yeah. to speak. You know, it's, uh, exactly. it's more mainstream, which is good. It's great for the growth of the sport, for sure. And that's been directly reflected in, in the prize money, like, you know, for the Olympia yes. and for the other shows as well. So that's also good yes. for the athletes. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, you know, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, at the Mr. Olympia last year, sitting front row, you know, like, you know, back 20 years ago, you wouldn't have celebrities like that unless it was Arnold, you know, at a show. Arnold Man, was it's pretty cool. awesome, actually. Yeah, it is that, cool. Really that just cool. reminded me of your comment when they were asking you, what do you think about the, those girls that were with Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal? And you're just like, they're going to get shacked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> I love Shaq. I love Shaq, man. I watch everything Shaq. He's great. He's got a new watch out. Victus watch I uh, want to order. It's probably like way too big for my car. But <laughs> oh, man. Buy it anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Big clock, on my, <laughs> clock on my wrist. This is a nostalgia of it, right? Just happy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. I, I, got, I got a question for you. Yep. <clears throat> Paul, what kind of advice do you have for somebody? doing their first regional show and what advice do you have for somebody doing their first national show first regional show if it's your first regional show um i would get a coach you know myself i i, I think um you know unless you've you're in a circle of friends who are all you know experienced competitors and you have that uh you know help you help you learn but if not i would hire a coach a, a, a pretty good coach and um you know, help have their help for your first show. And um, for a national level show, um, and for both shows, what I'd also say is, um, it, it's hard. Like, I, you know, myself, going back to when I used to compete, like, I never enjoyed being on stage so much. Like, I love training for shows, but I didn't really like going on stage. And, you know, and I think um, competitors should just learn to enjoy the moment. I, that's one of the things I kind of regret about, you know, when I compete, I didn't enjoy it so much. I was just nervous on stage. And uh, as best as you can, just try to relax, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to relax. You know, if it's, you know, something you need to practice beforehand, meditation-wise, breathing-wise, whatever it might be. But just try to relax when you're on stage and enjoy yourself. Because as a, from a judge's standpoint, it really shows. Like, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way, but um, it can it can reflect on your physique. People who are nervous on stage. And um, it's hard to pose and remember all the things you've been taught when you're so nervous about all these eyes on you. And um, um, you know, so it, it can definitely impact your the way you look on stage and, and thus your your placement. And so I would that that be one thing I would say to both levels. You know, try to find a way to get yourself to relax on stage and 
you know, um, try to enjoy the moment a lot more than as much as you can. But for that, but, you know, uh, as far as like, you know, advice, you know, I think, I think a great, a good coach is always very important no matter what level you're at, because it's very hard to have a, a, a subjective view of yourself when you're dieting, at least I find. Um, like it's hard to look at yourself and be like, you know, am I too flat? Do I need to fill up? Do I need to diet harder? It's hard to assess yourself when you're in a dieted state of mind and you've got all these anxieties about the show hanging over your head. I feel like it's really difficult to have a, you know, to have a good eye on your own physique and when you're, when you're under that kind of stress. So I think a good coach is you know, worth or worth its weight in gold and um, the right coach for you, which is also important. Some people need someone who's over their shoulder every day. Some people need someone who just gives them a plan once a week and, you know, checks in once a week, whatever it is for you, try to find that right fit and get yourself a good coach. It will definitely make a huge difference for you, in my opinion. Yeah, um, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I have actually a question from the audience and Let's let's split this question in one, the female categories, and on the other side, the male categories. The question is, what are the common mis the most common mistakes that you see competitors make on stage on show day? Um, depending on the category, uh, I used to see this a lot in men's physique. You get people who are like overposing, so to speak, like they're really trying to draw that attention to, them, to themselves through their posing. Which, I mean, your posing obviously should be, you know, as part of your presentation needs to be, you know, very good. But at the same time, like I was seeing a lot in men's physique, particularly where guys were doing a lot of like hand gesture stuff while they're in the back lineup, trying to draw eyes to them. If your physique is good enough and you know how to present it, you don't need to do anything extra to draw eyes to you. Um, you know, so I think that's a mistake that I used to see a lot happening in, in particularly men's physique. Um, in bodybuilding, playing the size game, you know, for sure. You know, guys who think that... Uh, Like as a judge, I tell people this all the time because some people are, there's some people I know who compete who are just so caught up on their body weight. It's, it just consumes them and they're, they're mm -hmm. unable to, they're unable to look to look at things objectively because they're so drawn into that body weight. Like, I have to weigh this on stage in order to do well. And I don't know, I don't know where mm -hmm. that comes from, but, um, you know, like I, I think you got, you got come and peeled. Like as a judge, I don't know what you weigh. You know, I might've weighed you in the day before, but you know, I probably don't remember what you weighed because I probably weighed in. 100 people that day so mm -hmm. we don't know what you weigh on stage we just know how you look so forget about the numbers just come in at your best you know conditioning fullness muscularity and presentation you know and balance obviously um you know other there's other factors in there too obviously like structure and whatnot but you know that's the thing you got to come in condition and bodybuilding especially and, and, and all the categories for sure you have to be conditioned for whatever that category's conditioning standards are but you have to be conditioned you can't come in thinking that i'm going to outsize people or you know i have to weigh 250 on stage therefore i'm going to sacrifice conditioning because i think i have to be this big to do well get that out of your head you know it's and, all, and, and so that's that's what i would say for bodybuilding for classic what i would say is um know what your height is i see this at every show and uh guys think that they're six feet tall for example so they think that they've got up to you know off the mm -hmm. top of my head i don't know what the cutoff is but let's say it's 220 for six feet so in their head they're like i got to i got to 220 because i'm six feet tall and then i weigh in i do their height and they're 511 or 510 and a half <laughs> and, yeah you know and then I'm like well you have to weigh you know so obviously you have a, a lower weight limit now and then they don't make their weight and they're like no i know i'm six feet i know i'm six feet well I mean, so I tell guys in classic, especially like if, if you're one of those guys who's borderline, like you have a hard time making weight, it's going to be close for you. Wait, like measure yourself and have someone do it for you. That's going to be very accurate. Make sure you mm -hmm. know what your height is. And, uh, you know, that way, uh, you won't have these issues. I see that, I see that happen all the time in classic guys don't make their weight because they think that they're taller than they are. Um, 
Yeah, I thought I was 5'10", and then when I competed in Classic, well, I was 5'8 and a half, so. <laughs> really, eh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I never measure my height either. I don't know exactly, exactly. how tall I am. I just assume I'm, you know, 5'8 and a half or whatever, but I don't know exactly how tall I am. So, yeah, but that's, you got to know, it's so it's important a huge for Classic. difference, right? Huge. We had, yeah. we had the opposite effect, actually, back in October. Uh, we were like 10 pounds under the weight limit because I thought it was an inch shorter than I actually was. Really? So we came in at yeah, we came in at 155 for classic, but the weight cap was 165. Oh, so you could have well at least you had all night to carve up still after the weigh-in yeah. before the show yeah, began. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just for improvement, we have 10 pounds we can play with, right? So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think what like for the for uh going into nationals now, it's kind of nice to be able to be like, okay, I got 10 10 pounds of room I could play with this time. Yeah, so. yeah. Back when I used to compete, I, I, I used to always compete as a light heavy until I got to nationals. And um, like I usually had like a couple pounds to play with, but I was usually pretty close to that 198 mark. So you know, the last couple of weeks, I'd have to really keep a close eye on my weight. And, and especially when it came to carving up, if you, if you start your carb up on Wednesday, for example, and you got to weigh in Friday night, you have to, you have to take that in consideration. You know, mm -hmm. you have to weigh yourself constantly, make sure you're not going to, you know, going over. And, uh, you know, so you got to be on top of it if weight's an issue for you. Absolutely. What about uh, female categories that comes to mind? Um, female categories. Well, I mean, women's bodybuilding, unfortunately, hasn't been, you know, um, it's shrunk quite a bit at the amateur level, you know, in the last few years. Um, so it's kind of hard to speak on that because there has been a lot of female bodybuilding, but, um, women's physique, again, I would say it's conditioning. Um, you know, uh, you gotta, you know, uh, usually, you know, have, having that combination of conditioning with balance, um, proportions, you know, and, 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 and muscularity is, you know, um, You'll get it, especially at the higher levels, you get it more consistently, but the lower levels, uh, like the regional level, um, you don't always see the conditioning where it should be for that category. And uh, and again, that could be, you know, not having the right coach, that could be, you know, um, you know, just not, you know, maybe not putting in the work that you needed to put in. It could be a lot of different factors, but I do see that a lot at the regional level, especially where mm -hmm. women's physique are just not conditioned enough as they should be. And I, and I know for women, it's much harder than it is for men, um, especially when it comes to the lower body, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, whether that's hormonal, whatever the reasons are, um, you know, I know it's a lot harder for women to get, to get dialed in, uh, typically speaking, not for all women, but you know, mm -hmm. it is a little bit harder for women to get, to get, to get harder than men, but conditioning has got to be there, you know, for women's physique, especially, uh, for figure, um, figure, well, you know, I figure I would say one of the mistakes is someone who's just not in the right category for them. You see a lot in figure where it's a girl who's maybe isn't muscular enough for figure and probably should be in bikini or is too muscular. It should be a woman's physique. Uh, you see that happen a lot. And, you know, figure, uh, especially at the Olympia level, like I, I like the physiques are just amazing. Like the structure with the, with the, with the conditioning and the, and the, the right amount of muscularity in these women is amazing at that level. And, um, and that should be, what you're keeping in mind like that should be your look you got to have that taper you know figure is a very important was well, important in all the categories but you know women and figure it seems to really stand out because you really only have you know a, a couple poses in that category do your quarter mm -hmm. turns yeah you know uh that's about it um and bikini uh bikini like you, you do see some overposing at times like you know, similar to men's physique and um you know that that can definitely be a, a problem that's fairly common that you see quite a bit a, a girl who's trying to draw too much attention to herself by you know just overposing again um or just sometimes you see it a lot in bikini too where girls are coming in too hard 
too hard for bikini, you know, and they don't necessarily have a figure physique, but they're definitely too hard for bikini. They need to, you know, not come in so dry or as lean. And a lot of times it's an issue of dryness, you know, though, like, even though they might be maybe a touch too lean, but when you dry the body, especially bikini, like bikini girls shouldn't be dry. You know, they shouldn't be showing any vascularity. They shouldn't be showing any striations, anything like that. It should be a, a, a healthy athletic look on, on bikini competitors. Um, I mean, there's definitely a certain level of conditioning and some separation of the hamstrings, glutes, whatnot. Um, but you shouldn't be dry for bikini. And I, and I do see that a little bit more often than than, than we should. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's what I would say, the, some of the mistakes I see commonly. Fair enough, man. That was... Awesome, actually. That, that, that answered a lot of questions that we had all yeah. at once, which, okay, is, which is really good, which is yeah. good. Um, okay. I know you love Jay Cutler uh, very yeah. much. Yes, so. I do. Yeah, I love Jay. So, so I got a question for you, but you can't answer as Jay Cutler. You cannot. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> it's just the one rule. I can't do a personation of Guy Guy does that. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he does do a his great impression, personation. His, his impression of Jay kills me every time. <laughs> actually, his impression of Chris Aceto is even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His, he, he, oh, man. I wish I had that kind of talent to do impressions like he does. It's, uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. Hey, you know? it's, it's a talent, man. It kills me. It time. is. Uh, it okay. Is. <laughs> the question I had was, if you could pick anyone, past or present, to hang out with for a day, train with whatever, who would it be and why? And no, you can't pick Jay Cutler. Okay, I can't pick Jay. Eh? All right, that would have been my number, my first choice. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. I feel like Ronnie would have been a hoot to hang out with back in the day. You know, he just seems so like happy and fun loving, and but yet, you know, super fucking hardcore and you know, all the energy, all the, all the energy in the gym, just yelling. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, who else um, to hang out for a whole day or just to work out with? Whichever one you prefer. You know, let's do both. Okay. I would hang out with John Meadows for the whole day. Cause John's such a nice guy. I, you know, he's such a kind man, such a nice man. And he's so knowledgeable. You could sit there and talk to him all day long and learn so much from that guy. You'd never get tired of, of, of talking to him, um, to work out for a day. I, I have to say, Ronnie, it'd be awesome to be in the gym with that guy, you know, with his sayings, you know, nothing but a peanut, you know, and left in like this <laughs> massive weight, you know, this being yeah. so happy and jolly. Like, yeah, I think, I think that, those would be my two picks. I think that's awesome. How about you, Humberto? Me, um, I've actually thought about this. Okay, to train, I think it would either be Tom Platt because he's just absolutely oh. insane. Yeah. Uh, it would be a very memorable but painful and uncomfortable experience, I think. <laughs> uh, but in a twisted way, that's what I would want to kind of get out of. Just like such a memorable type of training session. Um, what else does it come to mind when it comes to the training? Oh, uh, Jordan Peters. From um, oh yeah, uh, Trevor JP. Yeah, Trevor JP. Yeah, I look up to. Yeah, uh, to yeah, hang he's... out with Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie is definitely. He, I mean, he's such a, as, he, as you said, fun loving and, and, and upbeat personality that is just confused, yeah. right? So. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you said Tom Platts earlier. Um, do you guys know who Winston Roberts was? I don't. Uh, Winston was a former professional judge and a judge with us in Ontario, and uh, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, Winston was. Um, been around the sports since day one. He actually promoted the uh, 1978 Mr. Olympia that they based uh, Pumping Iron on in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was the year. Anyways, uh, Winston promoted that show. He's a bodybuilding legend. Uh, he was involved in the actual uh, 
uh, initial dr uh, drafting of the mandatory poses in that. Winston's a legend of sport. He passed wow. away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But anyways, I used to judge at Winston. And Winston used to tell me stories about, you know, because Winston used to be a, a Mr. Canada and uh, used to train in California with a lot of the pros back in the day. And he told me a story before about Tom Platts being at the gym while he was there. And he said, Tom Platts, I think he said it was, I think it was three plates. It may have been four plates, but he put that on the bar and he told his training partner, set your stopwatch for, I think he said three minutes. I'm going to squat nonstop for three minutes with that weight. And he said it was like the most hardcore, craziest thing he's ever seen. Like nonstop, just up and down for three minutes straight. Oh my like, God. You know, 400 pounds on his back. Like, uh, man, like, Actually, like, one of the, uh, the sound, the main, one of the main, it is in a song is like a soundtrack that i listened to for my last prep is this youtube video called the tom platt uh tape and it's, it's just basically him talking about everything he he thinks about prior to training and when he's training and what he loves about bodybuilding it is impossible to not have a good leg day listening to that yeah it's, it's, it's something else like it's i remember reading I remember reading an old article about him. I think it was from one of my dad used to collect magazines when I was a kid that after leg workouts, he used to get on his bike. Uh, and it was like a 10 speed bike, whatever. And he put it on the 10th gear and go right on the beach to further exhaust his quads after our leg workout. Like, Oh my God. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds horrible. Yeah, it does. You ever try to uh, do a plat squats, plat uh, sissy squats, Tom plat sissy squats. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. squat machine, those are crazy. Eh? Those are really oh, man. Yeah, you can't, you can't. There's no way you can go. Even a plate is, is difficult to do. If you yeah, yeah. On your toes like that. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, just, it's, it's intense. Insane. Yeah. You got a size like a 25 pound plate on each side to actually do it properly without compromising yeah. form. And it was painful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you have to like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny how it, <laughs> they're called sissy squats when in reality that is, there's nothing sissy about it. No, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you got to kind of like, you got to sort of like push your lower body off the pad, right? And then on your toes, come down like that. Like, yeah, it's it's all quad. There's there's no, yeah. the, isolate your quads like nothing else. Yeah. It's good though. It's a good pain. It's uh, Yeah, for sure. It's, but it's, yeah. a, it's the best kind of torture, right? It is. Uh, you know, it's it sucks when you're in it, but when you're done something like that, you feel great. Yeah, I was going to say I'd go Kevin Laroni to train with. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like that'd be a great one. And then yeah. to hang out with for the day. I want to say Chris Aceto, but I feel like I get annoyed with his voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not even trying to be a dick because the guy's a legend, right? But like, Because <laughs> he's just so, like, monotone and, like... I, I, I want to try to do the impression, but I feel like it'd be embarrassing. Oh, let's see, guys. <laughs> like, that's how it would be, you know? <laughs> I, I, I try and listen to that for two hours i'm like no i gotta go <laughs> you know it's funny like jay's very monotone i find too and the way he talks like i watch his videos all the time and i don't get tired of him at all i just i love when he's in the like when he's in his truck talking to dave you know stuff i just he's at his house feeding his dog and shit you know he's just i don't know i just love jay he's just That's a awesome. professional Amazing. man it's probably like the most uh one of the most accomplished uh people i'd say you know life after bodybuilding wise in terms of being Absolutely. an entrepreneur and he looks great still, you know, like he's muscle, mm -hmm. like he's obviously not as big as he was, but he looks awesome still. You he know, looks he still healthy. carries a, he looks healthy and he still carries yeah. a lot of mass. He looks, you know, pretty lean His still. His hair looks great. Oh, I'm mad. <laughs> I wish I had Jay's hair. He's got the best hair in body, but like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm getting older now, I'm trying to lose my shit. I wish I had genetics like Jay Cutler. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Actually, I have a question for you, Paul. Um yeah. I know you're usually busy because you're part of hostile too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I help out with the company for sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious how busy you're going to be during the actual competition season, like once all the shows get going. I was curious if you would be interested 
and coming back on the show uh, or coming back on our podcast after Toronto Pro to do like um, yeah. like a like a post show wrap up and like you can give us your yeah. perspective from from the judging panel for yeah, each category. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's uh, August. Uh, what is that? August uh, 14th. August twenty. Yeah. August twentieth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. After that, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm judging the pro shows. Uh, I'm judging the pro show, and I should be judging the amateur show too, uh, unless they have conflicting schedules. But they normally mm-hmm. don't. Um, but yeah, uh, I love I love judging that that show, the, the pro qualifier too. It's a great show to judge. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, where's it being held this year? The website says it's like at the Delta. Yes. Yeah, so do you know where the Nationals is uh, normally held in uh, November, yep. uh, October? Well, this year, that, w- that was where the uh, Natural Canada Pro Qualifier was held. At yes, before, Rudy right? Show. Yes, same same spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and actually, that's where all three shows are going to be this year: Rudy Show, the Natural uh, Canada's, and uh, the uh, Nationals, as well as the uh, Super Show, are all going to be done at that at that uh, same venue. And it's nice; it's all under one roof there. You know, yeah. You know, once you get there, you have to leave. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, I don't really have too much more. How about you, Humberto? No, I did. He asked. Every, uh, he answered everything I asked. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. I don't have any more questions actually. Well, Paul, do you want to take it? Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you too. Do you want to take a jab at Fuad while we still have you on the podcast? Oh, no, 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 no. I love Fuad. Yeah, I, I, I bust his balls all the time. I love Fuad. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, like, like I've learned so much, and I'm, you know, obviously it's a, it's a big advantage to be able to train with someone at his level, you know, and um, but what I, you know, but I respect the most about Fuad, and I tell him this all, I don't tell him this all the time. But I don't want to. You know, pump your tires too much, or maybe yeah. I, I wish I had more of his personality, though. I wish I had more of his drive, his intensity. You know, and that's why he's so successful. He's mm-hmm. he's driven. When he wants something, he makes sure he gets it. And I I, uh, I admire that. I will say one thing before we go. Actually, uh, in terms of wanting to become like an entrepreneur myself, he's probably my biggest influence. When I watch the podcast, when I see how how accomplished he's become, not even in the sense of just being a pro bodybuilder, but everything he's done, everything he is doing, it, yeah. it motivates me to want to like chase my own goals and to, you know, aspire to hit that level of success in my own yeah. way. And and yeah. again, seeing all you guys and seeing like, you know, every different aspect of life that you all have. I mean, Paul, you're the family man, Fuad, he's got hostile now. I mean, you see Ben, you know, becoming a world-class coach with the help of Patrick Tuar now yeah. and James and Ian, you know, doing so well in their in, in their comp, uh competition yeah. seasons it's, it's yeah. so motivating and inspiring man so yeah you know like i yeah. said before it's uh like i'm grateful that you know to be a part of that podcast uh you know it's 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 great to get to know those guys and talk to them and i can't wait to finally meet them all face to face one day i hope you know whenever this covid stuff is done with um you know because i think it'd be great like to finally meet these guys face to face that we you know spent a few hours talking with you know every week so yeah it uh yeah i'm grateful that true includes me on that and you know, it's a, it's a, I love being a part of it. I really enjoy it. Well, we just want to say thank you to you as well for taking the time to uh, sit down with us. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people here in Manitoba will be very excited to hear everything you have to say, especially our young friend there that you critiqued. Yeah, yeah, Tom bodybuilding. That's where you should be. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I really appreciate it. I was uh, it's an honor to be asked to be on your show. We really thank appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank Paul. you very much for your yeah. time. Thank you very much for all the quality information you provided today. And I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy uh, today's, today's episode. We, we covered a wide variety of, of, uh, of topics and information from, you know, judging and just the love of a sport and training and favorite, uh, you know, physiques and favorite uh, personalities in bodybuilding. So yeah, it was very, a very enjoyable episode for me. Thank you. Well, you guys are doing something. It's great that you guys are doing this, you know, it's great that uh, you guys are doing this podcast and it's, you know, it's, uh, 
I mean, bodybuilding needs more stuff like this. You know, we need to, uh, we need to get, you know, our sport out there a little bit more. And uh, it's great that you guys are doing this. And, you know, again, thanks for having me. Thank you very Thank much. You so much. Have a great night. Yeah, you guys have a good night too. Thank you. Take care. Bye. <clears throat>